And welcome into Sports Takes with Jake. Yes, the podcast edition as we are podcasting here as I am on fall break away from the studio. I am pleased to bring in Mr. Christian Smith from the Pennsylvania State University. How are you doing tonight, Christian? Good, Jacob. Thank you for having me. A lot to talk about here tonight. Yes, we'll get right into it here because we got a lot to get to. First, we will start with the breaking news last night on Monday Night Football. Uh, John Gruden is out in Las Vegas after a plethora of emails came out with homophobic, racial, sexist slurs. Uh, obviously uh, not good. And he is out of in Las Vegas. Uh, partner, what do we make of this situation? And uh, what's next for the Raiders? I mean, they're not a bad team. They're 3-2 and two heading into Week 6. No, they're not a bad team. That's right. Um, well, Jacob, I'm sure I'm not the only one, and I'm sure I'm joined by thousands, hundreds of thousands of football fans out there around the world that are, that are just completely shocked about this situation here. When John Gruden came back to the Las Vegas, well, the, the then Oakland Raiders and agreed to be co-owner or part owner or whatever, I mean, 10 years, $100 million and had the say in ownership, I think, right? Uh, yes. I mean, it was a 10-year, $100 million contract. Yeah, he, he pretty much had a lot of, sort of stay in ownership. a lot of power. But, you know, so it was like the, one of the greatest stories around the league, you know. Gruden's back, the Monday night guy. We loved listening to him on Monday night football. And it, he just seemed like a really good fit at the time for the Raiders. And it, it finally appeared that here in year four, it's hard to believe he's in season three. He was in season four already with the Las Vegas Raiders. They had something good going, as you said. They're 3-0. and They lost two straight. But they lost two good football teams. The Bears are a football team that's getting better with a young quarterback. They lost to them. Uh, who did they lose to the week before? Uh, I'm not sure, partner, but I just know they have two losses. So, Yeah, I know it's somebody good here, and I want to check just so I don't, you know, if it doesn't, like, blow my mind here and bother me here for the rest of the, of the program. It was the Chargers, and we know the Chargers are a very good football team. They can very well go all the way this year. But for this to happen, it, it really is a shame. It's a shame, and he totally deserves it. I, I cannot defend someone who uses that kind of language, especially since you have a gay, an openly gay player on your roster. Of course, you use a homophobic term. I just think it's very offensive to not only him, but for everyone, especially the, the gay community, and just completely unacceptable. For a working professional at ESPN that most football fans loved, and he ruined his career, he got what he deserved, and as for the Raiders, this is a tough situation to be in. He had this unproven intern head coach, the special teams coordinator, I think. Yes. And nobody knows anything about him, and it's just... Where they go from here, partner, I just don't know. They're, they're still a good football team. Of course, there's still 12 games to play yet. I don't know if people realize that, but there are still quite a few games and 
months to go here in the season. We're going all the way to mid-February up to the Super Bowl. And I think this Raiders team has the talent to win. And I think Derek Carr is playing at a very high level. Of course, it starts with him as quarterback. But right now, I think Mark Davis has to come out and, and address this situation. We actually talked about it this morning in my sports information class, kind of like a sports PR class. And we all agreed that he needs to come out and address this situation and remind the Raider Nation that everything's going to be all right. We're going to figure this out. It's not going to be easy, but we're going to make it work because there is talent on this football team, and this team has what it takes to win. Yeah, I, I completely agree, partner. I, I think, you know, uh, to give my take quickly, um, I think is well put there uh, by Christian. But, um, yeah, obviously what he did was completely unacceptable. Um, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just sad to think that these emails from, from 2010 to 2018. So this is the time that he was, you know, of course, on Monday Night Football for a bunch of years. And then he... You know, of course, took over in Oakland, then the Las Vegas, obviously, for three plus seasons. Um, just, just, you know, just completely stupid, honestly, on his part. Because even if you thought that stuff was just obviously completely wrong, why would you even think to put it in writing and send it to people in the NFL? Like, like, why? Like that? That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, Obviously, he, he, you know, like Christian said, he got what he deserved. You know, decisions have consequences, and and you know, as far as I'm concerned, I don't see him ever getting a job in the NFL again. I mean, I don't know how you could with all the hateful things he said. Um, just very disappointing, honestly, because he was a very good an or commentator. I really liked listening to him on on Monday Night Football. Um, but you know, you just can't do that stuff. Bottom line, and. Uh, you know, he got what he deserved. As far as what they should do going forward, I agree. I think you know, the owner has to come out and, and you know, tell Raider Nation that, you know, they're going to move forward, learn from this. And, you know, they still have a decent team. You know, they got Derek Carr and a good offense, decent defense. Um, you know, if they could somehow pull it together and, you know, it's going to be tough with the Chargers in their division, but, and the Chiefs, obviously, but, um, you know, they got to realize that there's a, there's a lot, a lot of games left in this season and they're going to have to try to figure it out. And then the off season, they're going to probably have to make a lot of coaching changes and, you know, kind of go from there. So, uh, I guess next we'll move to, unfortunately, the first loss for our Nittany Lions on Saturday afternoon, um, Again, I really think Penn State wins this game if Clifford stays in the game. But, of course, we all know he did not. He left in the second quarter with an undisclosed injury. And Iowa came back in the second half and and took down the Nittany Lions 23-20 at Kinnick Stadium. Um, I mean, I, a couple of quick observations before I hand it off to our resident Penn Stater here. Um it was pretty obvious Taquan Roberson was not prepared at all as the backup quarterback to take over in case Clifford got hurt, which was very surprising to me, um, considering Franklin is an offensive guy. And you would just think in a major program that your backup quarterback would be ready to play. And it, he looked completely lost out there. I mean, 
I know yeah. they're playing in Iowa and everything, and Iowa's a good defense, but, I mean, you look at his stat line. He was 7 of 21 for 34 yards and two interceptions. He had 10 carries for 27 yards. I mean, that's just – yeah, I mean, that's just terrible. I mean, considering you have a bunch of weapons on offense, you have a decent offensive line, that, that, there's no excuse for that at all. I don't care who he is. That's just terrible. For, as a backup quarterback in a major top five program in the country, just can't have that happen. Um, and, you know, I'd like to take a moment to absolutely blast these Iowa fans. They might be the worst fans I've ever seen. And there's a lot of pretty bad fan bases out there, <clears throat> including the NFL, that I watch a little more closely than college. But these fans are just terrible. I mean, there was a, I mean, unfortunately, you know, besides Clifford, there's a couple other notable, um, you know, Penn State players that got hurt, including their um, Mustafer and Sutherland both got hurt in this game as well. Um, and every time that these players got hurt, they were booing them and, like, mocking them. I mean, I, that's just that's just childish. I mean, that's just, like, that's what a three-year-old does. Like, it's just yeah. uh, very disappointing from a, a major program in Iowa. And then, you know, I didn't find this out until after the game because, you know, we were commentating uh, our high school game, and, and uh, apparently they stormed the field. I mean, give me a break. I mean, you're, you're the higher-ranked team playing against a team that had a backup quarterback for most of the game and you won, you barely won by three points at home and you're going to storm the field? Come on. This is why this program never does anything when it comes to the big moments because they celebrate wins like this, like they're everything and more. They'll get the number two ranking, which they have now. You watch, they'll lose to Northwestern or Purdue or someone like that out the Big Ten West, and they'll get blown out in the Big Ten Championship game, and that's that. And then they'll be in the what the R or the Citrus Bowl or whatever. So give me a break. This this team is not that good. They're way overrated, and that and Penn State will be fine. We got we got all all we have to do is win out, and we'll be fine. So I don't really have any concern. Now I'll hand it off to Christian because I know he has a lot to say on this. So yeah. Uh, very nicely said, Jacob, by the way, as um, a true Penn State football fan, you are very loyal to the Nittany Lions, despite going to Villanova. You know, you were, were always a great Penn State fan, and it's very admirable, you know, and you, you know, just great job, man. But now, as for my perspective on this game, I'm going to start where you started with the Taquan Roberson situation. I was very disappointed, and I still am in the coaching staff led by James Franklin for not having this guy remotely prepared to come into this game. And I know he got some reps against teams like Villanova when we were up enough points and teams like Indiana. But this is why when you, when your backup quarterback comes in, you don't just hand the ball off every single play. Okay, and I know you don't want to rub it in, but no one's telling you, to take a shot down the field when you're up by 35 against Villanova. You can throw simple passes, some slant routes here and there, some some screens, you know, stuff like that. Because this guy had no idea. I mean, here's a guy that's throwing passes into the flat when you have 
receivers like Dotson wide open in the middle of the field. It was just really tough to tough to witness as a fan. And Jacob and I didn't even see a lot of the game because we actually had to announce the homecoming game at our high school. But from what I heard, what I read, and some of the highlights I've seen, this guy, he was just a flat-out disaster. And it, it is really a shame that the program does not have a better backup quarterback, a program like Penn State. Of course, Will Levis transferring, and now he's on top of the world as a starter at Kentucky, a university I highly respect, by the way. You know, I, I uh, always support their basketball team every year and have for quite some time, as you know, Jacob. Yes. So I, I do like seeing their football program excel this season. But, you know, the, the, the Nittany Lions, led by James Franklin, failed to go out and get or recruit a quarterback, uh, like a legitimate quarterback to back up Sean Clifford because – wake-up call, this is college football, this is a physical sport, and injuries do happen to starting quarterbacks. And for them to not have somebody to come in there and at least just, you know, get something, get something. I mean, three points of offense was produced by this Roberson-led offense, and he comes in there and can't even eat the snap off. I mean, that's very very alarming as a Penn State football fan. And I I think a lot of people could agree with that. I mean, it was just very, very tough to watch. You know, he comes in, I believe we were up 14, maybe we were up 7, I'm not really sure what it was. Pretty sure it was 17-3 at that point. Yeah, I I think so. We were up 17-3. We were dominating it. Yeah, there's no doubt anybody with a brain knows that we would have beat them handily if Clifford stayed healthy. I even said when we were watching the game at my house back in, back in Hazleton that we're told that we may be up by like 31-3 at that point. Remember me saying that, Jacob? Yes. I said we're, we might be up 28 at the half the way we're playing. Because Iowa secondary is just a flat-out disaster. This team gets up to run, but what is that? what good does that do in today's day and age where passing is, the, is what the game's all about? You don't really see run-heavy teams anymore. Like, like you see at the high school level, like you've seen, you know, back in the 1970s and 80s. This is a passing game now. So what good does it do if you don't have a good secondary? And Iowa's secondary was just getting shredded into pieces by Sean Clifford until he went down. And then all of a sudden, they look like this all-star defense, and all these so-called sports experts and junkies are saying, oh, my goodness, this team is amazing. Their defense, Wow. Iowa showed up with resilience. Well, let me tell you something. They barely beat a backup quarterback who was just terrible at home, and Penn State nearly won that football game. And I've got to give a huge shout-out to our defense because we have a top defense, Jacob. we got a top defense. This is a defense that I think has what it takes to win a national championship. Yeah, you heard that correctly. If Clifford comes back for Ohio State, I hope and pray to God he does, then let me tell you, I, I think Penn State beats Ohio State, who, by the way, should not be ahead of us. But that's a story for a different day when we have more time. Okay? And as for Iowa, they are no number two team. And I'm not just saying that because I'm disappointed in them booing the fans and their head coach. 
not even not even condemning his fans for that and saying, you know, that wasn't right. He stands up for them and stuff. I lost all respect for that guy, by the way. He is not a good football coach. What has he done in his career besides make it to the uh, freaking uh, Outback Bowl every five years? I mean, seriously. When is, when is Iowa in the Rose Bowl? Yeah, when never. Is Iowa, is the, the one year they, they, they choked, they lost to Michigan State in the Big Ten Championship, and that was that. They choked. Okay, because they're just not a good football program, and I like, and I really do like the state of Iowa, but I'm, I'm, I totally lost respect for their football program. Then you mentioned they stormed the field, and again, flat out ridiculous. But I want to talk really quickly about this top five right now. Okay, you have Georgia number one, Jacob. I don't think anybody's stopping Georgia. No, they have, they have a dominant defense. You saw that against Clemson early in the year. They led them to three points. You never see that. Yeah, they. And they're in the SEC East, which is a lot easier than the SEC West. I think they have a very easy path to the SEC championship game where they're most likely to get Alabama. Yeah, and I and I really do hope that Kentucky, again, a program I highly respect, I hope they, they get them a run for their money. That, I would yeah. love to see Kentucky yep. win. Kentucky's got a good defense. They're going to keep it close, I think. But Georgia will probably pull away in the end. You know, but and then you look at the number two team, Iowa. They're just not a number two team there. They're no. by default. Number three, Cincinnati. I'm really counting on the, the college football committee when they come out with, with their first ranking to not have yeah, Cincinnati in the top four. They're definitely going to be down. They're probably going to be like six, five. They don't belong there. No. Chicken, they're going to win out. So what do you do? You just put them in the playoffs because they went out because they beat Notre Dame? They, pe- they, beat, a, they, beat, Notre Dame? they beat a very – I honestly, the only reason why Notre Dame is ranked their Notre Dame, they've, they've – Barely beaten the team that they should be blowing out. You remember the Toledo game, uh, you know all these yeah. games. Even the Virginia Tech game last week, they won by a game-winning field goal. Like they, they're just not that good. They're just not that good, folks. They're not. And then, and then you look at Oklahoma again, a team that barely got past West Virginia, barely got past Kansas State. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're, that they're team just either. terrible. They're, they're not that good they either. Allow, they allow forty-eight to a Texas team that I think is just. Terrible. They're overrated every year. Every single year, they they always start them in like top ten every year. They always end up finishing unranked. Or maybe they maybe they make it to the Alamo Bowl, Jacob. Woohoo! No, okay. you know you know how that works with Texas. They'll they'll always be ranked, you know, somewhere in the twenty one to twenty five range. And they'll get in the, you know, like you said, the Alamo Bowl or something like that. So the one year they got the Sugar Bowl, but I mean, who really cares? Any but anyways, uh, quickly. You look at Ohio State, again, shouldn't be ahead of us. I don't think Ohio State is nearly as powerful as past years. They have not uh, been a top 25 team. No. And and, and and honestly, we haven't either because Auburn has slipped out of the top 25. I didn't realize that. But, I, I mean, come on. We beat Auburn. We beat Wisconsin at Wisconsin. I consider Wisconsin a powerhouse. And who is uh, Ohio State be? And they're the best team maybe be in Minnesota. Rutgers, give me a break. And then you have Michigan, Jacob. They barely got past Nebraska. I was hoping the Cornhuskers can pull that off, but yeah. God Frost soaked again. Uh, should have never left UCF. They're going power five now. And then you look at, you know, they barely got past Rutgers. They beat them by like seven, which is just flat out embarrassing. Okay. Oregon, not a good football team either. Michigan State overranked. I mean, let me tell you something. This is probably the worst top ten I could ever remember. Georgia is the best team on this list. And I think Penn State's the second-best team, Jacob. I really do. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a student here and I'm biased towards Penn State. I think Penn State's the second-best team on this 
in this top ten. Mm, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I wouldn't say I wouldn't go that far yet. I mean, I I, I wait to see until we play Ohio State and Michigan. Um, you know, because they're and Michigan State, honestly, but I'd say more so Ohio State because you know that's a team that's been giving us problems for the last couple of years. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, the Iowa, the Iowa rank is a complete fraud. Cincinnati's a fraud too. They don't, they don't play anybody. Um, you know, Alabama's obviously a very good team. They're going to be right around the top four the whole year. Oklahoma, that they're kind of a fraud too. The only reason why they're up there is because they're Oklahoma and they're undefeated, but they've barely beaten anybody. Um, so yeah, I agree. I mean, just they're just the rankings right now just aren't very good. And I think I think it will sort itself out in the next few weeks when these teams actually start off to they start playing their conference schedules and they're playing good teams every week. I think that'll it'll kind of balance itself out and we'll have a lot better ranking in a couple weeks, I I think here. But as for Penn State and you know, James Franklin, Nick Steelens about him, I like the guy who brought the program back. I'm actually gonna go with his mentality here and endorse it. One and oh every week. Focus on Illinois. Assume you're without Sean Clifford, I would think, against Illinois, which is okay. I think we shut them down. Wisconsin shuts them down. They didn't score a single point against Wisconsin. And hopefully Roberson can get at least, like, 10 points and we win 10 nothing. all right? Hopefully. <laughs> I mean, because, come on, this guy is not going to – we're not going to put up 31 points against Illinois, Jake. It's not going to happen. I think he'd be a little better prepared if he were to start against Illinois he'd have two weeks of prep work with the, with the first team. You would hope. You know, but yeah, it's just complete coaching failure on the part of Franklin and his staff for not having Roberson even close to remotely close to being ready for that game. I mean, you, you could just tell this guy was a deer in headlights coming out when Clifford was hurt. I mean, wow. I mean, his longest pass, his longest pass completion was 12 yards. Defense wins championships, and it helps to have a good quarterback in Sean Clifford if he's prepared. Yeah. And he's back for Ohio State. But Jacob and everybody out there listening, Penn State has got to get the run game going. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's all there is to it. Noah Kane, led by Noah Kane. And I, 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 our offensive line has been disappointing so far. It's like my, my lowly Giants. And I hate to compare Penn State to my Giants, who I believe are now ninth in the 50s. Since that freaking boat trip, yes, <laughs> yeah. Miami, they're tied with the Jets, nineteen and fifty. I mean, that is just horrendous and embarrassing. But you know, same idea—a terrible offensive line—and they got to find a way to somehow get this run game going. If it takes doing some options and some pitches outside, mixing things up to get creative, they got to do it because I mean, to beat teams like Ohio State, I think we beat Michigan, but. That at Michigan State game, I know I just said they're not great, but at Michigan State, that always seems to be a problem for us, Jacob. Yeah. And for I sure. would love to meet Iowa again in the Big Ten championship game in in in, in Indianapolis. That would be the greatest story ever told. Yeah, that would be that would be awesome. So we'll wrap up this podcast here, and we will give our NFL takes and predictions on our next podcast. So. Switch over to there when you can get the chance. Thank you.